I know is I'm getting the fuck out of here. You ain't going nowhere, you simple-minded little black bitch. I know what all you whores are saying. You can't do nothing but fuck, so you better work out a way to stay in a house. All you bitches out of business, pack your shit. What are you doing, motherfucker? Pack your shit. Get your hands off of me, shit. The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> they must be destroyed on sight. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 155, and I'm your host, Lee. They better learn to sell pussy in Iceland, because if I ever see them again, I'm going to cut their fucking throats, Russell. And I'm joined by my co-host, is that, Daniel. Is that the longest uh, introduction that uh, we've ever had for one of us? Well, the longest wait. quote? Well, all just right, wait. Right, Let's right. see how long this one is. Right. And my co-host, who's chiming in here, Daniel. I haven't had to sell my pussy since I was 15 and found out I could sell other bitches instead. Harper, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> Well, since I've been 15, I've been fine. <laughs> exactly. You had it all figured out even that early yeah. on. So, yeah. yeah. I was a clever I was a clever boy. <laughs> or you were Nichelle Nichols in a different life. One of the, one... <laughs> one of the other. <laughs> uh, so... Does that mean I get to make out with William Shatner? Yeah, because, you do. You know, uh, I don't know if that's a good that. thing or a bad thing. <laughs> as long as it's like 1960s Shatner and not, uh, you know, today's William Shatner. I'm not sure what he looks like these days, but... Uh... He he's got to be past eighty, right? You know? Yeah, he's past eighty. Yep. Yeah. So somehow he lived longer than Spock. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at Truck Turner. We're continuing our little look at sort of either black exploitation or semi black exploitation, proto black exploitation. The usual for this podcast, where we don't really quite necessarily go super on target with the genre that we're going to look at. Sometimes we go a little outside the box and shit. So it's uh, what we do. But, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we're going to be looking at Truck Turner, Isaac Hayes, uh, his only starring role of his long career. But first, we have a shit ton of comments to go through, so we're going to go through that right now. First off, from our friend Darren Wilson, he chimes in on our last episode saying, Thanks for the extra love there, and thanks, Daniel, for your time recording this stellar episode. I mean, what the hell? I thought I was going to get to watch the film versions of The Black Klansman and Tick, Tick, Tick in an hour and a half for free, and it was a podcast. So he's confused by that. Yeah. yeah, clearly he's confused. I think he's, uh, I think he's funning with us there. Mm-hmm. I think he he might be uh, better suited to YouTube. Uh, next we have Jason Connor Lee. He's commenting on our um, movie tonight. He says, "Fun movie, great cast, and a funky soundtrack. What more can you want? A chicken dinner? 
it's here too. <laughs> That's right. And we some, can talk about that chicken dinner. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and some beer. Uh, you get some beers out of it and too. Yeah, lot, lots of cores. Apparently, mm-hmm. Isaac Hayes, you know, did did like to drink several cores and then throw them out of his out of the side of his uh, car. You know. He does he does a lot of stuff that's a little antisocial yeah. and against the law in this film. But uh, yeah. yeah, so we got a bunch of stuff from Jeff Williams. First off, uh, on our last episode. He says, there's an interview of Richard Gilden on the Code Red DVD that explains the hair. Uh, so apparently he permed his real hair mm-hmm. and then wore a white guy toupee over it. And, and he says, yes, I have too much time on my hands. <laughs> that's Thank you for answering the question. That's ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, that's we can do that research ourselves. We just record and then let other people correct us. Ideally, we would just take the credit for ourselves. I totally would have done that if I had, if, you know. You hadn't decided to just lay it on me here, so you know I should put these questions before you beforehand. The yeah, and I letter. could I could like cut that off, and then I could I could like reveal that. But like, oh yeah, I did some I did some more research, and then realized oh this is how that happened. You should check that out. All right, I'll I'll keep that uh, in mind. Any, anything that makes me sound smarter is going to be good. That's ultimately okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Williams continues on saying two requests for this podcast. First off, I want you to come out there and shake your asses proper. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm shaking my ass right now while we're recording. Do you Unfortunately, think Unfortunately, it's not a video podcast, so yeah. yeah. Do you guys think we're sitting down while we do this? Like no. Like it's it's almost an interpretive dance number every time we record. So that's why I've been trying to keep them shorter lately because I'm getting older and I just can't fucking do the dance moves anymore. <laughs> we actually record this from inside the house in the uh the Anne Margaret Swinger movie. You know? mm-hmm. We're just dancing around the whole time. Man, if I had a holodeck, I'd probably have Anne Margaret <laughs> from that scene. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's that's. I, I don't want to go too deep into my fantasy. Yeah, we here. should we should probably. Uh, I should just let that one go for now. Yeah. Then he uh, follows up with saying, "Please explain what Yapit Koto was going for with his wardrobe: club host, golf pimp, gay feng shui guru, or something else." And that's in relation to uh, at one point in Truck Turner, where Yapit Koto has this like uh, salmon pink turtleneck going on and and he's got like a medallion or something hanging there and yeah <laughs> i i just love that they wear their like pimp gear to like funerals and shit you know it mm-hmm. does it does seem like you know i i you know I'm, I'm not gonna claim to be an expert on like pimp culture in the 70s but i do it does strike me that maybe uh the like you know the feather boas and the canes was not day-to-day wear when they weren't on the job you know it does, yeah. it does seem like maybe they wore sweatpants occasionally <laughs> Maybe they wore a suit to a funeral. I don't know. It'd be Dude. like, yeah, you know, like mobsters wearing track suits. You know, they can't always wear like three piece suits and shit, you know. So, <laughs> but I, I think we'll get into some of the fashion choices in this film as as we talk about it because, man, my God, there, there's, yeah, there's, some there's some great stuff in this, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So he made two suggestions, by the way, for uh, movies of the week. I think I missed last week's one, so that's my bad. I, I think it's because I replied to him on Facebook and then forgot about it. So, uh, he suggested Magic from 1978, which is the uh, creepy doll uh, film. With I've actually um, seen that. Yeah, so he says yeah, Lee and Daniel uh, aren't the only ones who would love Anne Margaret, but do they like creepy ventriloquist dummies too? And yeah, William Goldman uh, wrote that, who also wrote mm-hmm. the, uh, Princess Bride and stuff. So you know, yeah, no, I, I watched it because he he talked about it in Adventures of the Screen Trade. It's pretty good. I, I remember liking it. It's been you know. 10 or 15 years since I've seen yeah. it. But I would you definitely know? rewatch it for the podcast, sure. 
like uh, MILF and Margaret and uh, yeah. Anthony Hopkins and yeah, good stuff. Anthony Hopkins before he became Fat Hannibal Lecter, which always bothered me. It's like no, Animal, uh, Hannibal Lecter's too old and too fat for this role. Like I don't, I don't buy it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> His other recommendation uh, for this week is a film uh, by Robert Downey Sr., Greaser's Palace from 1972. He says it's, it's his uh, absurdist parable rivals only Hodorowski's El Topo as the weirdest Western ever made when a cowboy character played by Herve uh, Villachez, the midget from Fantasy Island. Yep. Or little person I think, from Fantasy I think Island. Little person, or I think dwarf is also uh, currently acceptable. But you know, oh, they accept dwarf. Okay, I think awesome. so. I, I'm not. I, I can't speak for that community, but you know, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure what the. I'm pretty sure Midget is like definitely wrong. But uh, you know, I, do they <laughs> do they accept do they accept Hobbit? I'm just gonna let that one go. We're just gonna move on now. <laughs> any any uh, any uh, little persons listening to this, let us know if Hobbit is acceptable in your community. But uh, Vilches starts hitting on a postmodern Jesus, so you know stuff just got strange. Yeah, I, I have heard about this film that it is kind of like a acid western that kind of recreates the story of Christ at the same time, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so it, yeah, I'll I'll, um, I'll do pretty much anything uh, Robert Downey Senior. Putney Swope is a masterpiece, like this weird masterpiece. You know, he's this weird anarchist leftist guy, you know, in the late 60s, 70s, you know, like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do whatever whatever we got to do to get some Robert Benny Sr. in here. I'm down for it. No problem. Sweet. And I know we're doing Westerns here in a couple months, so maybe yeah. we can add that one on, you know. Yeah, we're not going to, like, just no, necessarily just go strictly spaghetti Westerns. We're going to do what we did sort of did last time. Uh, we're just going to go over the place and do some different Westerns and stuff, so it'll be good. Yeah. Oh, I did rewatch a bit of High Noon because it was on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Just mentioning it now while we're talking about westerns, uh, it just showed up on Amazon Prime, and I just hit play because I was like finishing a beer, and I'm like, "Man, this film works so much better once you have our interpretation into yeah. that." You know, once uh, once once you understand that like the whole town is just sick and tired of Gary Cooper, or <laughs> you know, like involving them in his personal relationship drama, this movie really makes a lot more sense. Yeah. No, I mean we're brilliant. I mean, I, yeah. I, well, you're brilliant because you convinced me of that fucking. <laughs> so. I came up with that live on the uh, on the recording there, so you know. Mm. Yeah, so uh, thank you very much, guys, for the uh, comments, and we've been getting a lot of comments lately, which is cool. Like, just just keep them coming, man. Um, I mentioned, I think, like two episodes ago, a comment from Kai Clear saying he gave us a positive iTunes review, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, what region are you from? So I can actually region switch the goddamn iTunes and find your fucking review. And he finally got back to us, and he is from the UK. So here is his iTunes review for us. He gave us five stars. Thank you very much. And he says, high definition filmic musings. From my subjective view, they must be destroyed on site is pitched somewhere between the academic smarts of the faculty of horror and the synasty conversational ramblings on the projection booth. Each week, Lee and Daniel dissect and discuss one or two genre films of their choosing in an entertaining and clever and ethical manner without being arseholes about it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I I am an arsehole about it, to be fair, but never an asshole. That's the key. Never an asshole, often an arsehole. That's the that's where I land on that. Continues on saying the worst thing I can say about their podcast is that there's episodes on films I haven't seen, so I need to catch up with my viewing before I can enjoy them. The other side, the win, F for fake, and the uh, Plisio Teski soundtrack. 
episodes are excellent. Well, thank you very much, Guy. Of course, if anyone else would like to uh, throw an iTunes review at us, apparently that helps really well if you like give us a five stars and a, and a fucking review. Apparently that kind of puts us up in the rankings for people to like to just to see that our podcast exists and listen to it. So. I mean, if you, if you feel like doing it, I'm not pressuring anyone to do it. I mean, yeah. instead, join our Patreon and buy Blue Chew, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, uh, thank you very much, Kai. Uh, very much appreciated. We're only in this for the money and for the fame it brings us. We've been at this for, what, like four years at this point? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're we're definitely going to be the number one podcast, the number the number one movie podcast ever in, like, 50 years. That's That's the rate that we're growing, so... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're and, gonna... and ultimately, what, what a legacy to leave, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything we do on this show is important, and uh, don't anyone forget it. That's yeah. just that's what I leave it at. Did you see that our our friend Kit Powers' book has been like officially announced, and mm-hmm. that that his book on the film Tommy which he got that contract based on us doing a podcast with him. Yeah, I wasn't going to r- rub his nose in it or anything. Yeah, but. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I think uh, he owes us some royalties. That's where I'm going to land on that. Um, I'm still going to buy the book. Physically. Yeah. You know, I mean, so yeah. Uh, it's like, I don't, uh, honestly, I'll, 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 he'll I'll, send you, he'll send you a signed copy if you just like play it cool, man. You don't have to buy it. No, I, I'll nice. still I'll buy it, and he can send me a send, uh, signed copy as well. But um, honestly, uh, Kit, all you owe us is just another appearance on the podcast. That's all yeah. I give a fuck about. So because we just like talking to you because you're no, our friend. Great, yeah. We were supposed to do Shaun of the Dead. You could have another book on Shaun of the Dead already mm-hmm. in progress if you had come on when we invited you on. Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately, Kit, your career is in our hands at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Don't 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 make us don't make us put you on this podcast for a movie like fucking Hell of the Living Dead or something like that where it's just like yeah you're you're gonna write a book yeah. about that. <laughs> what would be the worst movie to make Kit Power write a, a whole book about? Like we're gonna do the fucking Notebook or something. <laughs> make Kit spend two years writing a book about it, delving into the deep dives of Ryan Gosling's career. <laughs> Yeah, buy Kit Power's work. Yes, do. Yes. Uh, I'll actually, I'm just for the fuck of it, I'm going to put his Amazon link in the show notes just in case anyone's not familiar with his stuff because he's actually a really excellent writer. Um, he, and I, he and I did a podcast on um, Stephen King's The Long Walk not that long ago, uh, oh. Wrong with Authority Feed, which was a really fun uh, conversation and a really good episode. So um, mm-hmm. you know, I assume anybody here has probably listened to that, but you know, yeah. Go, let's do it if you haven't. It was it was yeah. fun. It was fun chat. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we'll play some music and some podcast promos, and we'll come back with Truck Turner. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast under the stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror where our horror novice The Baz tackles horror in all shapes and forms. 
to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Hello and welcome to Hello, This Is The Doom Show. I'm Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, 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 and he said, bark, 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 and she said, bark, 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 bark. that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner, the other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Podomatic. Com and Doomed Moviethon. Com. Hello, hello. This is the Doomed Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava.
All right, Truck Turner, a.k.a. Black Bullet in some markets. Hide your mamas. Big Brother is coming. And he's coming on strong. Isaac Hayes, the Big Brother of Soul, is making a new kind of music. And it's Mean Jive. When he's hottest, he's the coolest. Hey, could have brought me some flowers. I got some beer. When he's baddest, what do you want for breakfast? He's the best. What do you think? Every gun brother and sister is out to make the big hit. I want that truck turner and I want him dead. But he's out to get before he's got. Isaac Hayes as a skip tracer, a modern day bounty hunter, making a healthy living by making living unhealthy for cats who skip bail. Gentlemen, this is my family. These all prime cut $238,000 worth of dynamite is Fort Knox in pennies. That's taffy. <laughs> Her clients call her Colonel Sanders because she's finger-licking good. The man who kills him gets my broads. Truck, they gonna kill you. They gonna have to do just that because they owe me. I'm gonna collect. When he gets it on, the action takes off. <laughs> Isaac Hayes, the magic name of music, winner of the Academy Award for his music in Shaft and scoring again in this one. Truck Turner. From American International Pictures. Um, also, uh, in, in, in <laughs> Black Bullet, okay? No? Yeah, and, and in some, uh, I think in Germany, it's uh, Chicago something or else. Uh... And there's no Chicago reference anywhere in this film. <laughs> no. Yeah, this film, very obviously shot in Chicago. You know, yeah. By anyone who's ever even seen Chicago knows yeah <laughs> uh from 1974 directed by jonathan kaplan who um before this did a couple other corman films this is an aip production uh-huh. uh and and on the strength of his success with night call nurses and the student teachers from 72 and 73 respectively he got this job it's written by oscar williams michael allen jerry wilkes and based on a script from Lay chapman who um did dirty mary crazy larry which we have to do at some point. So, mm-hmm. Like that's such a great movie, but yeah, this was one we've talked about before on this podcast uh, yeah. about doing starring the great Isaac Hayes as Mac truck Turner. Uh, <laughs> no truck Mac Turner as you know. <laughs> uh, the great Yafit Kodo as Harvard blue, Alan weeks as Jerry Barnes and a chase as Annie, Nichelle Nichols as Dorinda, Sam Waz as Nate Dimwiddle, Paul Harris as Richard Leroy Gator Johnson, 
Charles Cyphers as drunk. And Charles Cyphers, if people don't know, is actually uh, Sheriff Lay Brackett in Halloween. Uh, he's he's the drunk that shows up at the bail bondsman's office there for a brief scene or whatever. <laughs> John Kramer is Desmond Scatman Crothers as Duke. The great and now late, sadly, Dick Miller as Fogarty, Stan Shaw as Fontana, and Tara Strohmeyer as Turnpike. Uh, I just I included those credits. Stan Shaw is awesome. Tara Strohmeyer, who had a little series of sexploitation uh, sort of roles from this period to like the mid '80s or whatever before she retired. Hmm. Uh, and she she's on Facebook and she still looks lovely. By nice. the way, which yeah. one is she in the in the film? Uh, she's one of the hookers who Nichelle Nichols basically tells her, you better fucking straighten up or I'll, you know, slap you down or some shit. Like she, <laughs> okay. she, she, she's one of the white girl hookers. She, she's not very distinct in the actual film. I just wanted to mention her. Cause I like, her. I like her. And she was in um, Van Nuys Boulevard. She's the uh, uh-huh. girl who, who has sex with our hero in his van when he comes into the, <laughs> the, the, the drive-in restaurant or whatever. And they like, basically right. Squirt mustard and ketchup all over each other and shit. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> no photo uh, on her Wikipedia page. This is terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to delve into her filmography so I can uh you know properly appreciate it. So yeah, and I think we've done a couple of films that she's in now. Uh, we we've done Van Nuys Boulevard. Uh, we did Malibu Beach as well. She's in that. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if I saw her, I I would know who she is. It's just mm-hmm. uh, you know. Anyway. She's a she's willowy white girl with curly brown hair and big tits, which is very distinctive description for you know a white person <laughs> in these films. <laughs> yes, indeed. Internet movie database synopsis from someone called Josh Passnack. Truck is a bounty hunter who gets a job to track down a guy named Gator. When he and his partner find him, a chase ensues and Gator is killed. This makes Gator's woman Dorinda very angry, and she puts a hit on Truck. The man who agrees to kill Truck is named Blue. <laughs> the question on whether Truck can survive with Blue and his gang on his tail. That's okay. <laughs> That's... I feel like I feel like this. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this guy or this person, you know, a bot, whatever. You know, it mm. might be an artificial intelligence that wrote that. I'm gonna give pretty solid credit on that, not because that's a particularly good summary of the film, as much of a despite this film being fairly straightforward in terms of kind of what it's about, mm-hmm. it's a remarkably difficult film, I think, to to really summarize well. You know, it has a, a real kind of episodic element, particularly in yes. the first like it kind of goes through two separate kind of bounty hunt things in the first like mm-hmm. half hour. Then I was kind of like prepared to just kind of go, oh, we're just going to kind of do two or more of these or whatever. And it's just, we're just going to watch, you know, uh, Isaac Hayes be a badass. Great. And then like, it ends up kind of like switching around on us. And then, you know, the hunter becomes the hunted and, you know, we just have a bunch of there's. It does strike me. I've said this a few times in other, in other podcasts we've done about other movies. You know, there's a lot of incident without a lot of kind of forward momentum to this plot. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you could literally just kind of lift out and not, you know, it doesn't really matter too much. It's just kind of like noise that's happening in the film. And that said, I, I actually really liked this. This was like a really fun, 
a quick watch, 90 minutes. It, it goes by like a flash. There's a lot of great stuff in it. I love how violent it is. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and I don't often say like, oh, I just love the violence, but I love that it, it really goes there. I really love how kind of um, light a lot of it is. It really isn't. It really doesn't take itself seriously at all. Yeah. You know, as opposed to something like Coffee and Foxy Brown, particularly uh, Coffee, which has, you know, this very, you know, kind of sociopolitical resonance that it's kind of aiming for. This really isn't going for that at all. It's really just kind of a, a fun little action movie. Um, apparently the original script, I mean, she, it was, they were going to offer it to like Lee Marvin and shit. And then just all the white guys turned it down. And so it just became a black movie. No criticism of that. I mean, but it, but it does strike me as more of a like, does kind of feel like, I mean, I, I, once I read that, I was like, I can kind of imagine Lee Marvin kind of walking around and doing all this shit and just kind of being like, yeah, no, it's just that movie. And suddenly some of the things like the cops, they don't just shoot him in the fucking head. You know, the, the uh-huh. second you see him, you know, suddenly that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, no, I get that, you know. Overall, I really, I really enjoy this. I, I kind of, I like the characters. I love Isaac Hayes. He's great in this mm-hmm. and kind of makes the movie. I love the relationship between him and his partner, particularly yeah. in that first kind of thirty minutes when they're, you know, you know, he he entices him to speed, and then when the cop pulls him <laughs> over, he's like making fun of him, like oh, I don't know what you're talking about, man. There's a real, uh, there's a real camaraderie there. There's a yeah. real like fucking with him. Yeah, no, this this is just a really fun movie. That said, I watched this last night. And I have so few like detailed memories of it, so you know mm-hmm. we're just gonna have to go with go with that. Um, it, it's it's a really fun watch. I really enjoyed it, but uh, you know, man, it, it just kind of in and gone, you know, sort of thing. So this is one of my favorite black exploitation films of all time. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I, I believe and it. And people who have not gone into this don't go into this expecting like a serious black exploitation film that's you know like trying to hit on black issues and stuff like that because this is not that at all. This is I don't know if this has ever been designated a sort of subgenre of black exploitation like it was for uh, spaghetti westerns, but I, I would kind of call this almost like a circus black exploitation film or a cartoon black exploitation mm-hmm. film. This is more in the vein of Cleopatra Jones that we did where yeah it's much there, more there is, there is nothing in this that really reflects any kind of lived reality for anyone no <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's a very over-the-top comic book kind of film yeah I mean honestly Isaac Hayes is the most neutral bland character in this entire film everyone else around him is colorful and big Although at the same time, <laughs> and, and the fact that the fact that I can broadly agree with that sentiment, and also, <laughs> and also <laughs> the fact that that character, like you take that character and drop him into like any other movie, mm-hmm. and he's broad and colorful and kind of all over the place. So you know, yeah, uh, Isaac Hayes is incredibly charismatic in this. I wouldn't say he's necessarily the greatest <clears throat> actor. He he's a bit of a mush mouth, so sometimes yeah. you can't even like understand what he's saying. But... Subtitles subtitles is what you want yeah his charisma is fucking off the charts though like he's really good and you can tell that like you said the the original script that was written was for a white person it was was supposed to be a white bounty hunter kind of film you can tell the rewrites here were just people like pitching ideas of like what can we have isaac hayes say and 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 (laughs) what can what can be funny because the early on the first half of this film actually the first two thirds of this film is a lot of comedic moments. Like there's a scene in the, uh, the uh, skip trace office where they, they come back after their first assignment or whatever. It's like out of a black barber shop kind of thing. Like where yeah, they're, no. they're just throwing jokes and yeah, like, they're just throwing it, it. It does feel like, you know, let's watch Eddie Murphy in three different kinds of makeup mm-hmm. throw riffs at throw riffs at himself. You know, I don't want to like diminish it. It actually is like, it's really funny. It's really mm-hmm. good. It really, it, it sells that reality, but it is like, what, what are we doing in this office? <laughs> Having this conversation, <laughs> this, this definitely feels like that, that, you know, the barber shops, scene in another movie so 
Um, it does feel like they just kind of like, you know, they, they had this little moment and then they had this set and they just kind of wrote some fun dialogue, but it's super fun dialogue. So it's yeah. like, oh, you know, why, why, you know, why complain ultimately? But and the whole it, film is kind of like that, you know, like it's super mm-hmm. fun. So, yeah, whatever. You know. Yeah, it's so cartoonish. And I mean, the the entire presentation of this is to make Isaac Hayes look like fucking a million dollars. And I mean, and he he holds up his end of the deal because he fucking does great. Basically, the first part of the film, you have like a bunch of like comedy racists and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, you know. They they pick up their first guy or whatever, and right off the bat, he's like throwing out in bombs and shit like that, and right. and then Isaac Hayes is like, "Well, fuck, you want to fuck with me? Let's have a fist fight." And <laughs> so they have a fist fight and shit before it takes. Yeah, them. it literally it literally is, you know, like, oh, you want to you want to insult me, and it's like, you know, well, you know, you put these cuffs on me instead of uh, and it's a fight, and then suddenly they're in a field, just cuts to field. Isaac Hayes beating the shit out of this guy and his partner just kind of looks over and it's just like, tick tock motherfucker. We yeah. gotta get out of here. You know, like, come on. No one hurt him too bad. You know, takes yeah. him to the jail. Uh, it's again, it's, it's a, it's a fun little, you know, so many films get us so like tightly from point A to point B. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is really just kind of like, no, no, we, you want to see this racist get his like shit kicked out of him. Let's do that. You know? for a couple and, of minutes and, you know, just kind of move on. He goes to a military base to, uh, you know, <sighs> get some information or whatever. And some guy he's got to pick up and <laughs> he, he makes this like redneck fucking MP fucking end up shooting out one of his tires. And so he has to fucking fix his tire afterwards, you know, like right. there's all this fun stuff and it's the movie doesn't really get into gear until you hit about the hour mark where the plot really sort of starts to kick in. But before that, you don't give a shit because it's all about just building up how cool truck Turner is. But at the same time, even though he's like a badass, he's kind of like this ex football player, badass who's kind of going to see because apartments a fucking mess. His, <laughs> the, the only, the only shirt he has <laughs> is the shirt, the cat pissed on. And his partner's like, dude, you smell like piss. I don't smell like piss. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, that's great. No, um, I, I actually think it's, it's funny how this is one of those, you know, it basically has the sort of structure of there's the pre-credit sequence where, yeah. you know, we establish how cool Truck Turner is. And then, you know, cut to, and then, you know, opening credits, and then, like, we're going to start the plot. It's just that, like, that opening thing is, like, you know, 15 minutes of the movie. Then you get to him um, interacting with Dick Miller, who's, like, mm-hmm. great in this. I mean, I just, I, I just immediately fell in love with that character. He's that... just such a, like, he's such a shitbag, but he's so, yeah. like, entertaining at it. That um, pink jacket, also, by the way, was his jacket. Oh, nice. I believe it. <laughs> it was 1974. What else are you going to do, right? Everybody in this film's wearing pink of some sort. Yeah, no. It's a, yeah, this is a very this is a very salmon film, ultimately. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, so uh, you know, it is also like that. The, you know, the comedy sequences are also sort of Turner interacting with white society, mm-hmm. and then once you know, then we get into like the more serious part, and like all the white people leave, and you know, except for Dick Miller, who basically leaves at the hour mark or a little bit yeah. before the hour mark. So, you know, um, you just have 
all the other white people you see are, are essentially just, you know, people working in this underworld or whatever. So, you know, um, which is kind of an interesting dynamic as well, you know, when he's when he's in this world. It's funny. You know, <laughs> at one point, this character like runs through a bar and is like, two guys are chasing me. 50, he throws a bunch of 50s around, stops the people behind me. Where I thought the film was going to go is he's going to run in and they're going to go, he went that way, but he gave us 50. But like, that would be my response. Be, yeah, exactly. You know, but no, I, why do you just gave me $50 you know, for nothing? 50 bucks. That's fine. Yeah. He's, he went that way, you know, but I guess they, you know, they were like, settled over. I got a couple of like bad guys after me or whatever, but you know, you know, Tr- Turner like beats the shit out of the entire bar. If I had known I was going to be fighting Truck Turner, I would have asked for way more than 50 bucks. <laughs> so, you know, it does kind of sell this mythos. And like in a lot of these kinds of films, that just kind of comes off as really stupid. But here, you A, Isaac Hayes sells it like he is that larger than life character. And he is legitimately like you could buy him as being like that badass and that, mm-hmm. you know, it, but, but also, you know, the tone of the film just kind of sells the reality of, yeah, he's just that good. The best thing about this, not only is he charismatic, he pulls off the action scenes. Like, I I didn't see anything where there's, like, a noticeable, like, stuntman doing anything he's doing. Right. Like, he's doing all the action here. And that bar scene, it's 1974. And this black pimp just ran into this bar. I'm drinking here. I'm just minding my own business. He drops me a $50 bill to stop someone from chasing him. And then he runs out before he can check of course, whether of course, we stopped. 50 bucks is like $300 today. Ex- I mean, exactly. Fair, like, you know, how many know. drinks could I buy at that bar? <laughs> it's like that I'm was a fight- cheap bar too you know yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not fighting nobody i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> sit there on my ass and drink some fucking more beer or whiskey or whatever yeah, yeah. and all these guys they get their asses handed to them and the real funny part is you see the aftermath of that where there's like if i knew it was truck turner i would ask for more than 50 dollars they still have, all have their fucking pants down like truck turner shoots his gun is like <laughs> everyone pull their pants down motherfucker and Truck Turner, Mac Truck Turner just hit you motherfuckers. And, and then he runs out of there and they still got their fucking pants down. Like no one's pulled their pants up. They're all sitting there drinking. No one's pulled their pants up. There's a, there's a really strong element of comedy to this. And, yeah. and, you know, th- that kind of sequence where it's like, why did they do that? But like, oh, it's funny. That's the reason. Like, <laughs> I love that they like chase the pimp into like, essentially into like, a dam or something yeah and, you know like they're just kind of running around in this and it's like well you know of course it's an action it, o- movie, it so almost gotta, turns you know. into scooby-doo where they're yeah running back and forth between shit yeah yeah <laughs> i love the fucking fashion sense in this fucking film it's just <laughs> from from truck turner's partner who is wearing like a, a salmon uh, fucking shirt underneath a red <laughs> checkered fucking shirt and he's got red pants dude that that doesn't even, I don't think that even flies in 1974. <laughs> I, I don't know. And and all the fucking pimps. Yeah. They're, they're extravagant. There's this massive pimp funeral. Like, one, they're, they're the white pimp with the eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> it's got, like, the, one, the white guy, the, one, the white guy who's got the eye patch. Who, I'm like, you seem like a Venture Brothers character or something. Exactly. Yes. That, you know? This verges into black exploitation parody. I ex- I would expect to see this shit in like Black Dynamite kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, it, it pushes it pushes right on that edge, but it's still like it's still. I mean, I don't want to say it's plausible in a real world, but it's sort of plausible as a. Um, you, you still feel like there are stakes involved here, like because the relationships, kind of the central relationships, kind mm-hmm. of work, and in particular the relationship he has with his girlfriend, who yeah has apparently stolen a TV. She's got thirty days in. And he, like, when he drops off the first guy, he says, all right, so we're going to go and um, 
I'm going to go and see my girl. He gets two minutes. They make out for, you know, and he's, of course, all the other women in the, in the cell or in the, um, in the, in the, in the prison or in the jail are, uh, you know, hooting and hollering at him, which is, mm-hmm. of course, I mean, you know, that is a nice piece of man meat there. I'm totally down for that, you know? Yeah. The, um, yeah. This is, well, I mean, fuck. This is a Corman prison women in prison film. He just walks yeah. into basically. It's like, <laughs> oh, we will fuck you, Chuck Turner. And then later on, he he walks into like a hair salon with um, yeah. the, the, Michelle Nichols and all of her hookers, and they're like, oh, look at that black chocolate cake. We're like, yeah, <laughs> it like, was it was definitely on that. You know, yeah, no, we we understand. Isaac Hayes is incredibly attractive. Uh, no mm. one, no one's going to deny that. But <laughs> yeah, no, uh, lots of fun there. But um, yeah, no, I, I really liked the relationship he had with his with his girlfriend, where she's in jail and she's I'm doing this time, it's not doing me. She's kind of keeping her dignity, and yeah. then you find out, oh, you're only in for thirty days, and this is clearly not a new experience for you. So you know, whatever. This yeah, this feels um, like something that is ongoing with them, and he, and and uh, he's basically and also watching clearly her. clearly before like three strikes laws because like yeah. at a certain point Reagan comes into office and suddenly you know yeah you stole a TV that's your you know you stole it two hundred dollars uh congratulations you get twenty years you know so yeah, uh, yeah. kind of thing yeah. yeah Chuck Turner you know he's his girlfriend's in jail so he's watching her cat and that's why the cat <laughs> peed on his shirt. Right, right. <laughs> that cat, uh, that cat who does not, who does not survive to the end of the movie. No, that's a, that's when the film turns really dark. It the does last thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, no, but he, he has. The, so we mentioned we got to talk about the chicken, right? You know, so yeah. She gets out of jail, and he's like late to pick her up, and she's like, "You didn't bring me flowers," and he's like, "I brought beer." I brought beer. <laughs> she's like, "Did you really think you were just gonna come and like pick me up and then take me back to my place and screw me?" And he's like. Uh, kinda. Yeah, kinda. Like, <laughs> that's isn't that kind of what we do? Like, yeah. come on, like it's a thing. And then he says, "Oh, come on, I'll, I'll get you some food." And I thought, like, oh, we're gonna get a little like a restaurant scene or a date scene or whatever. Then he just walks in with one bun. Like it's he bought the- her KFC. He didn't even buy any for himself, and she eats like <laughs> he four bought bites her- of it. Not yeah. only that, he he bought her the cheapest KFC, like yeah, the, no. like the two piece meal deal or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, some, some you know, like the yeah, no. no. Didn't even go for the famous bowl or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it, then it feels like it's almost, again, a kind of a parody because then there's this brief moment where he's watching her eat the chicken where it's like, <laughs> oh, look at look at these black people eating chicken. Right. You know, look, I'm from the South, right? Yeah. I, I eat myself some fucking KFC, man. Like I make fried chicken for myself all the mm-hmm. time. I have no, you know, fried chicken always felt more like a Southern thing to me than like right. a black thing. But there is a little bit of like, you know, we're going to sit and watch this woman eat chicken. And there's, yeah, this is a little bit racially uncomfortable, even in this 1974. Like, this might be a little bit over the line in terms of kind of pushing like that particular <laughs> message. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of like, ah, I, I just I just kind of buy it as a character moment. And I'm just, I, yeah, no, you know, I let I, it go. I, but, you know, I liked it. But I, I like that this film kind of sort of pushes here and there when it doesn't even need to, because this, this is a super low budget AIP film that, doesn't need to definitely go there, but right. it, it does in several different directions. It really goes there at times, but um, it, it's got a lot. There's a lot of going there in this film. Yeah. And I think, I think in terms of going there, I think uh, there's one character we really need to like really highlight here. And that's, uh, and that's our madam Dorinda, Michelle mm-hmm. Nichols, who is pretty remarkable. I, I, I like the fact like the first time you see her, 
I mean, obviously it's Nichelle Nichols, and I'm kind of like, you know, oh, I'll, she'll come back. But at the same time, like, you could totally buy, like, it's just a cameo where she drops in for, like, one right. scene. And then, you know, we just chase the guy, and then it's over. But no, that's not what happens. She ends up being kind of the major antagonist uh, for the entire film, uh, for the certainly kind of the last, certainly the last third, but really the last half. She's, she and, really, uh, she sets <clears throat> all the all the plot in place, is what she does. Yeah. Like she drives the entire plot, basically. Yeah, once you once you get past the once you get past kind of Gator's dead or whatever, then mm-hmm. suddenly it's her it's her revenge against Chuck Turner, which really yeah. kind of motivates everything. And I missed some of the details on exactly what's being offered to some of these other people. We have the pimp funeral, and then right. everyone's coming up to her afterwards, going, "So sorry about Gator. By the way, you know, you want to give me your hose? We could we could pay <laughs> right. a good price on it." And she's, "You don't have to pay me for my hose." All you have to do is kill Truck Turner, and I'll give you my hose. That's her right. sort of price, kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, no, I I got that. It was more just sort of the, you know, because I think she was like, oh yeah, I was sharing fifty percent with Gator, and then yeah. like, oh, it's twenty five percent that she's offering the other guy, mm-hmm. and then, then yeah. they're splitting it a couple of ways. And I don't know, it just felt like some of the numbers didn't quite work in my head. But well, um, and also um, Yapikoto and <sighs> Harvard Blue. He basically just fucking muscles in and says, no, we're going to do it my way. Right. I'll kill Truck Turner. All these motherfuckers, these pimps are going to work for me. And maybe I'll give you some money, bitch, on the on the, on the the end. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Because he doesn't treat her with any respect. No, he doesn't. He, he just walks right in. It's like he spits on the corpse of fucking Gator. And what all the, all, all the pimps are, instead of throwing dirt on him, they're dropping cocaine, vials of cocaine <laughs> on him, which is fucking hilarious. It's just right, so yeah, good. No, no, and then he, he, he just walks in and spits on him. And then later on, he's, uh, so what's the deal, bitch? Basically, he's just like throwing bitch every fucking second word. Right. I'm telling you how it is. I'm Harvard Blue. I'm walking in on this. I'm taking all this shit over. And I'll kill Truck Turner, and you'll be subservient to me. And all these pimps will be subservient to me. And I'm going to own all your, ho- all your hoes and shit. And that's that's the way it is kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. know. He's trying to take over. And boy, does that not work out for him. Because like, going up against Truck Turner... Not something you want to do. Again, we get a, a scene from uh, one of the hired guns who's like, you know, you didn't tell me we're going after Truck Turner. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just runs away. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and he has this assortment of guys, and like, it, it kind of feels like okay, these guys might be badasses, and, mm-hmm. and it's like a it's a variety of guys too because. Uh, one of them's called Candyman, and he just looks like a Native American type guy. Then you then you have like a black dude. Then you have this guy who looks like a Jewish fucking stockbroker or something. Oh God, there's like that one guy that looks like, hey, can we be the most blatant Jewish stereotype possible? <laughs> you know, he's one step away from like you know wearing being a, a Hasidic Jew. You know? Yeah. Like, you know. And and so they try to do a hit on Truck Turner, but they end up killing his partner. And that's a great scene too. Uh, they they speed it up so like he walks into a door and he opens the door and they just blow him away. And it's like fast forward kind of you know, speed. I love shit. I love the I love the telephone call before that though because he gets a telephone call and Truck Turner like he's like yeah I'm kind of drunk and he calls his partner. Yeah. And he's like yeah uh, he sounded kind of weird. Can you go check that out for me? And it's like. Damn, truck, you're you're drunk. You're really too drunk to go do it yourself. It's like I'll sober up. It'll be fine. 
dude, you've got to know what the fuck you're sending your partner yeah. into. Like, you know, it does feel a little bit like that. You know, it's, like, it's not even Dirty Harry, but like the parodies of Dirty Harry, where mm-hmm. it's like, go ahead and wear a red shirt for this one because that's about the. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, it's, it, it is it, now it, time for you to die in this scene. Even though it does go deadly serious in like the last half hour, it, yeah. it still kind of treats it very flippant. Like, I thought they were going to like take him hostage or something and we were going to get a big scene where, you know, Truck has to save him at the end or something. Nope, he's dead. It's over. Yeah, no, it's it's the boss of the uh, the skip tracer agency that he works for gets beaten up and he survives, but he's in the hospital. One of his eyes isn't going to work afterwards or whatever. You know, like he's yeah. seriously beaten. <laughs> he just he has a line. You know, uh, Turner has a line. Oh, does he know about the eye? And the doctor goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh man, that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> but yeah, and. This movie really fucking ends on a big fucking note. Oh, That's, yeah. That shootout in the hospital where Harvard Blue is, okay, I'm going to bring my remaining guys because Truck Turner goes after Harvard Blue. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go after you. So he deftly eliminates the three big fucking heavy hitters at uh, Harvard Blue's place. He sort of like maneuvers in the that weird fucking modern architecture fucking house and, right. uh, and, and, and gets them all. And then he goes to the hospital and Yapakoto's character, Harvard Blue, is trying to set him up at the hospital for an ambush. And then it's just, it's really quick, too. I, I like that about it. It's its its not in a prolonged gunfight or anything like that. It's just this really quick action scene where all of... There, there uh, are a lot of action scenes that are just over like a flash. I mean, it is, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not complaining about this, but there there is a sort of, there, there was like a, uh, I saw on the Wikipedia page, there was an attempt at a remake where they, it never quite happened. Yeah. And I can sort of imagine a more, you know, kind of modern version of this kind of doing, oh, we're actually going to let do these action scenes for real and not do them for like 20 bucks in mm-hmm. 45 minutes or whatever, where, you know, you could have some really kind of badass action scenes and, and kind of do some kind of do kind of kind of massage the pacing on this just a little bit. I mean, I think the film was really enjoyable as it is. I really love Isaac Hayes in it, but I was kind of struck by like we're an hour in and finally we get the real plot and like all these just kind of looking at the, like the Wikipedia page, it's just kind of like, there are a couple of other uh, fight scenes that happen, you know, at a certain, at a certain mm-hmm. point, it literally just kind of reads that. And it's like, Oh yeah, because it's all just kind of fairly, I don't want to say generic, but fairly just kind of quick. Oh, he, he gets approached by a couple of guys. He shoots them and then they're dead, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Like, it's not, it doesn't do what the, the bar fight scene does where it really kind of sells uh, truck as being kind of uniquely cool and uniquely badass and uniquely kind of capable at, you know, being this, this guy who can just run like a Mack truck through anything. Eventually it's more like, Oh, he's got a big gun. And he's just going to shoot people. And, you know, <laughs> in a one shot, that's, that's kind of what, what truck turner does for most of the rest of the film. I was, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get another like kind of big fight scene, but you know, yeah, but still, I, I really like that hospital scene. I, I like oh, how... the hospital scene is great. I love that he chases. He shoots into, like, a bag of blood at one point. It looks like a giant intestine where they're, like, that's, pulling that's what you know, stuff out of him. Yeah, like, like yeah. oh, yeah, there's some really, like, nasty stuff in that. Not in the, I mean, in a good way. I mean, like, really kind of enjoyably gory. The... The fucking the fucking squib work in this film oh. is fucking on point. Oh, like, oh it's yeah, definitely. It's so good. Um, I mean, you, you get um, when when he's attacking Harvard Blue's thugs at his place. He's got a shotgun, so he you know that's going to spread pellets into somebody when you shoot him. The squib work even then actually reflects that, where it's not just one hole; it's several yeah. holes when he shoots people. So yeah. th- they had that <laughs> shit fucking down. <laughs> 
I was kind of on the like, oh come on, truck, you're you're going into what you know is an ambush and you're carrying a double barreled shotgun where you get two shots before you have to reload. Really well done, man. Like, yeah, no, really, really the, clever. He, he, he definitely wasn't thinking it out. Although he had a pistol on him as well, so I yeah. Mean, so you know, he he had he had a backup weapon. So you yeah, know. he gets out of it okay. Don't worry, audience. In case you were concerned <laughs> for well, you know truck turners, um, you know safety. He, he only had fine. to kill. He only had to kill three thugs. Yeah. He, uh, although there was an applied reload, but he he killed one guy with one barrel, and he killed another guy with another barrel. And reloaded and shot him again, apparently. But um, then he shot another guy with his fucking pistol, too. So, yeah, 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 yeah. The the action scenes in this, I think, even though they are fairly brief, they're really intense. That fucking yeah, hospital scene, it, it's, it's frantic. Because yeah. he passes a gun to his boss in the fucking hospital bed. And then all of a sudden, you know, Harvard Blue and his thugs show up. And everyone starts fucking shooting at each other. And just goes crazy. Fucking IVs are being shot and blown up fucking blood bags like you said are being shot it it actually it actually sells the sort of reality in a a weird way because you know we've seen a lot of action scenes in hospitals before you know presumably everyone listening to this has been in a hospital before and you know you're 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 kind of it's sort of this other world where you're just sort of focused on this like one thing and like nothing else that's kind of happening in the rest of your life is sort of existing in that moment the idea that suddenly there's a big action scene two of these people are just like shooting at each other and like there's collateral damage people are getting shot people are getting in a weird way i i sort of bought that more that that kind of experience of like this is not a place this is supposed to be happening um, more yeah. in this film than in, than in lots of other films of this kind, and I think it is because it's kind of over the top, and but also because it does sort of sell a um, it does attempt to sell uh, a little bit of sort of the reality of of mm-hmm. sort of the the monotony of the kind of day to day life of you know kind of visiting the hospital and stuff you know like it yeah it does it does have a, a little hint of that and uh, you know it's, it's just this kind of weird you know normally you don't even think about that it's just oh it's just an action movie and go, of course you know like, <laughs> that's just that's just what you do you run to the hospital and start shooting people but yeah. no it really worked here and I really liked that scene I really love um Yafikoto's death. Um, oh yeah, because you know. um it's it's downright artistic for like this Yeah, film. for for a film of this kind, it's like suddenly like we're we're going to actually, you know, put some effort in. <laughs> you know, not like, not that there's not effort before, but we're actually going to do like a POV shot and it's actually going to kind of like you you actually sort of buy the process by which this guy is like losing consciousness and dying, which is I mean, it was just amazing yeah. like and I I have very well shot. Yeah, and I haven't listened to the uh, commentary in the DVD yet, which I need to do. But I don't, and I don't know if they talk about this or not. But it seems like at at a point, Kodo is he's basically got a camera in his arms, and he's filming himself as he as he goes. Kind of I was thing, reminded of Pi that like right. Aronofsky, you know, kind of like, and they actually had to invent a camera specifically to get those locked off shots of you know the, the, like their cinematographer mm-hmm. they called it snorri cam and i think they're one of the their camera operators was you know david snorri or something and they <laughs> just named it after him or whatever but i was literally sitting there thinking like this actually compares to aronofsky um it's not quite as tightly locked off as that i mean but i yeah. think they did have some kind of rig where they mounted it to him and so you yeah. get the like shots i mean there's a little bit more of a kind of up and down movement with the camera so it doesn't it doesn't have that like otherworldly feel that Aronofsky gives in in Pi, but um, it does have that like very particularly for a, like a super low budget film from 1974. It feels like crazy out there, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's so weird to see this in a fucking AIP picture. Like, it's, yeah. it's just, it's it's not something you would expect. Just little things I want to mention here. Um, I love uh, Scatman Crothers as the uh, good pimp, quote unquote. <laughs> yep. Like, he's, he's just slightly a misogynist, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's a misogynist, but he's kind of nice about it. Sure, you know. Yeah, like his 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 bitches love him, you know, kind of thing. It's, you know, give me my mint julep, bitches, <laughs> or mint the crimp or crimp the whatever, mint or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever the drink he's drinking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently, he was reading cue cards the whole time because he can remember his lines, which is kind of funny. Is this is this only our second Scatman Crothers uh, film because he was in Zapped? Uh, this is our only yeah we haven't done the shining yet so uh yeah yeah yeah. i love that we learn why glass water cooler bottles went out of fashion because one of them gets broken in this film (laughs) (laughs) it just it just seems so watching it now it just looks so stupid to see like the idea that there were fucking actual glass water cooler bottles back in the day that must have been impossible to fucking manage to like send to people and shit like that do we think that's real or do we think that that's a uh something they did for the movie though that would be I, I don't know. Like, I, I would assume that they were glass at some point, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I didn't, Before I didn't the... look. I didn't look into uh, water cooler technology in the eighties. You know. Well, so. I mean, you know, before before we got into recycling and shit in the eighties and nineties, I, I would assume they were all glass. Kind I of mean, thing. my thought is just that plastic is so much lighter for any like like shipping and everything. You know. Yeah. Like, but, but you know. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I, well, this film also, <laughs> with its comic book aesthetics, um, it sets up shit to break stuff. You know, yeah. like chase well, to break. It literally, it literally does unironically the you know driving on the sidewalk and hitting you know mm. like fruit carts and stuff. And it's like, what the fuck is a fruit cart doing in like <laughs> Los Angeles in 1974? You know? This is the best thing. He doesn't hit a fucking fruit cart. Okay, <laughs> what he hits is an obvious Hasidic Jew coming out of a store with a shopping cart full of bagels loose in the car. Ah. Like, he's he, he's got to have 200 bagels in that shopping cart, and the shopping cart gets hit in bagels all over the fucking place. <laughs> which, which I'm, I'm just like, what? <laughs> Who thought of that? <laughs> so, so what you're saying is the film isn't hackneyed, it's anti-Semitic. That's that's got away. I don't even. <laughs> I'm not. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm yeah, joking. I know. <laughs> but it's fucking. It's just no. The it's, weirdest... it's bizarre. It's bizarre. No, you're right. I totally like. I I wasn't necessarily processing this as a sort of like an intentional satire until like I started talking to you about it. So I'm like, well, yeah, no, clearly this is you know. This is, I'm going to get you, suck. I just made, you know, 14 yes. years earlier or whatever. It's that same kind of thing. Not pushed quite to that, uh, you know, overtly, you know, like Leslie Nielsen movie kind of, you know, parody. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely kind of a send up. And, and at that, it's weird. It's, it's right in smack dab in the middle of the black exploitation era. And yet it's also, you know, kind of doing that whole thing as well. I love that this paired with Foxy Brown. This was a double mm-hmm. bill with Foxy Brown. That is a great double bill. It How is. much fun would that be to see that in 1974? Yeah, yeah. especially like at a drive-in or something. Like, watch yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't even know if I'd want to make out with a girl I was with at the, in the car. Like, I want to watch these films. <laughs> Maybe watch them first and then bring the girl the second time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
this this is the kind of this is the kind of thing where I'd want to sit in my um, sit in my seventies car and drink a core straight from the can and throw them out the passenger side window. That's the uh, that's the way to do it. Yeah, uh, I'm the only thing I'm disappointed in by this film is that. He did clearly have cores, but at one point, uh, the point where he's showing beer in the car, it's like, I got beer. That's a different brand, and I couldn't tell what brand it was. Yeah, no, I, I, I did I did the, like, pause thing. Of course, of course we did. We went, oh, what is what is that? And it's it looks like a prop beer can yeah. or whatever, you know, so... But he had Coors Banquet, so Isaac Hayes, good yeah. taste, good taste good. in your macro beers. Good t- I mean, you know, well, in in nineteen seventy four, I mean, that shit was not a nationwide brand at that point. No, it didn't become regional yeah. brand until to the eighties. So that's that's I mean, you know, but it's all like west of Colorado. So uh, yeah, no. I mean, I've heard stories from people like talking about how they were on military bases. They were packing it into like yeah. all the all the like little compartments and, you know, like tank or whatever, you know, just to, just to like get as much course as they could, you know, east of the <laughs> Mississippi. All right. You go like whatever, man, but you know, yeah. Hey, it's course. So a little bit of trivia here. Uh, the film started a script by uh, Lake Chapman about a Caucasian bounty hunter, like we said, and like you said, written for Lee Marvin, Robert Mitchum, and er- Ernest Borgnine of all people. That's a weird lead for uh, yeah. No, well, like, you know, I could see, I could see them. I mean, you know, generic action here, you know, wet guy action here. You know, I could see him, I could see him playing the comedy in this. You know, certainly, yeah. you know. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, this was Nichelle Nichols' only uh, black exploitation film. She declined offers for other black exploitation films, only to concentrate on the science fiction convention appearances. Apparently, in the seventies, yeah. so I, good money in it. Like ultimately, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, if you're just uh, you know, I, I've got you got you got to think like it's 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 a tough like kind of market if you're an African American woman you know, known for being on TV doing this kind of stuff, and like she's. She's really good in this. I really mm-hmm. like her. But, I mean, you got to think, like, you know, do I really want to be known as, like, a black actress in these Latin movies and this right. kind of lower rent stuff? Or do I want to kind of go and just kind of service the Star Trek fans? And, I mean, you know, the mid-70s or late-70s is kind of when the fandom stuff really started up for real. The first, you know, Star Trek conventions were, you know, are a little bit later than this, but but certainly not, you know, before nineteen eighty, I think seventy seven or something like that was yeah. the first Star Trek convention. So um you know, it and you can make you can make decent money. Like, you know, if you you know, you just you just go and you answer questions for fans and you know, rather than kind of have to be a madam and kind of play on kind of the quote unquote the negative stereotypes and all that kind of stuff. I mean it's mm-hmm. a complicated thing, you know. So and she also, I'm pretty sure she probably made some pretty seriously good money being a re- recruiter for uh, NASA as well. So, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. so, and she was doing that heavily at this time as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could not find a budget for this, but this is AIP, so I'm kind of thinking they did this for under a million dollars, and I think you can kind of tell looking at it. Like, it, it looks good, yeah. but it looks it looks cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it looks like... It looks like a, a film of its era. It looks fine, but it definitely, did, you know, a lot of it is kind of shot and staged in the, like, we did a couple of takes of this kind of, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Box office, $2.23 million, and I'm mm-hmm. assuming that might even just be the, it doesn't specify, I'm assuming that's probably maybe even just theater rentals or something like that. I'm, I'm pretty sure this probably made a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, it, although I mean, the the reference to it is from this book by Arkov and Turbo, flying through Hollywood by the seat of my pants. So, some mm-hmm. 1992. I, I mean, I'm guessing it's a uh, you know like a history 
of these films by like some of the producers or whatever. Mm. You know, so. Although, I mean, this kind of didn't do as good as you would kind of expect. I think I could see this being like a series of films, like at least two sequels. Or yeah, something like that. I'm, I was, I because I, I looked into it. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I really enjoy. It. I would love to see the, you know, like. You know the the two sequels that you get, you know, and yeah. like, no, it doesn't exist. Just, you know. And the Isaac Hayes soundtrack, which is amazing. Oh god, um, the soundtrack is phenomenal. It was it was released as a double album, didn't do very well because uh, it was on Stax Records, and Stax Records kind of went under at this point, apparently. Mm. So it disappeared basically from the public kind of thing. It sounds it sounds like it's kind of a film that got slightly uh, kind of lost in the cracks. Yeah, you know, this. This, until you mentioned it, I mean, I had no, I, I never heard of this film, you know. Um, so, and you know, I haven't seen a, you know, I haven't seen a ton of black exploitation, but I've seen, you know, some right. here and there, and we've, and I certainly kind of know kind of the big titles and some of the big names and stuff. And this is one like I'm trying to, you know, I, mm. I was just, I kind of love that because I just get to sit and watch it with no preconceptions, and it's great, you know. But it's also like, uh, you know, this is definitely better than the fact that I had never heard of it until, you know, like a month ago. <laughs> like, yeah. this is better than that, you know? So Nice. Uh, DVD info, there's quite a bit of MGM DVD releases of this, but I would just direct people towards the uh, Kino Lorber DVD and Blu-ray releases of this, which are kind of the definite things. They, they redid it with high definitions and shit. Even the DVD version looks fucking great. The mm-hmm. thing I love about it is they cleaned it up, but they cleaned it up so much that like the film grain jumps at you. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. sure. It's, it just looks good. It looks fucking period appropriate. Awesome. No, that sounds great. No, I, I watched it. There's a like an SD version that's available for rent on Amazon for like three bucks. And um, that's the that's the way I watched it. I just kind of like, oh, nice. easy, three dollars, done. I And now I you know, watched it. Yeah, it looks good. It probably is not based on the, the print that he's talking about. I would love to see the really, really fancy print. But um, the one that I watched was uh, perfectly fine. Like it looked it looked nice even on my kind of big tv so you know yeah. recommended. ah so speaking of kissing william shatner we're gonna be looking <laughs> yeah i realized i realized that uh we, we were kind of connecting that together like uh you know so we're gonna be it, yeah we're gonna be looking at the intruder uh next time they'll finish out our sort of semi black exploitation look at uh films here for a little while so daniel where can people find you on the interwebs you can find me at daniel lee harper on twitter uh if you're so inclined uh, you can find uh, a couple of podcasts I do. Um, uh, the big one I'm doing right now is I Don't Speak German. That is a podcast about my researches into the furthest reaches of genocidal white supremacy uh, with my buddy Jack Graham, who has been on this show uh, several times now. It's a more fun show than it sounds, but uh, go check it that is. out if you're at all interested in that in that material. Um, and we also have uh, a podcast over at Wrong With Authority. That's wrongwithauthority.blogspot.com or whatever. You know, there'll, there'll be a link in the show notes, and that's a... Um, kind of a series of various podcasts to get updated intermittently as we decide to do more of them, and uh, that's a just a fun time. Yeah, you you fuckers need to get back on the fucking track and do more wrong with authority. By the way, just saying. <laughs> We're just lazy. That's really the problem. Yeah, you fucking assholes. Yeah. Uh, you, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our Apple podcast, YouTube, and Facebook links. Join the Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook and tell us how awesome or terrible we are. We'll read either comment. It doesn't matter. It's it's good. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, but leave the comments on Facebook because uh, we found that Apparently, if you leave comments on Facebook, you sound at least more half-intelligent than you do on YouTube. 
and we don't like YouTube comments except for to mock them. And uh, yeah, YouTube comments are almost routinely awful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, until next time, thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you very much for everyone listening, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Bye bye. Cheers. You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>